0: Welcome to Center Ice. Today is April 6th. We have some exciting news. First of all, we're now available via TuneIn Radio, so you can find us online on the TuneIn website. You can also find us on the app, and we're also available on Stitcher, and the same thing for Stitcher as well. We're working on iHeartRadio, hoping to be on there soon, but once we're on iHeart, we will be pretty much available everywhere. If there's anywhere else we can get our podcast, we will get it there. So that's exciting. I had to check what day it was, Matt, because this quarantine is <laughs> it really makes you forget you know the the date of the year or the month almost like I couldn't believe it was already April. I saw a tweet the other day saying that the last day of the regular season would have been I think it was April 4th. And we would have had yeah, our, that right. our playoff matchups determined, but you know that's not happening. So, mm-hmm. but we've we've got an exciting show today. We're not we're actually not talking about COVID at all. We're just not okay. <laughs> um, you
1: people need a break out there, right? So so much has been talked about COVID nineteen that Mac and I need a break, and we figure pretty much everyone out there needs a break.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the first thing we're going to talk about, and we'll bring that to you in a couple minutes here, is our top 10 free agents on the market and maybe a couple or a few interesting guys that could be good deals if they sign for a lower price. And then we'll briefly touch on the trade market. There isn't too much going on, but that's probably because we don't have a lot of information right now. And then... We wanted to touch on the teams that have the best and the worst salary cap situations right now. Plus, we wanted to talk about what we're watching um, in terms of hockey series, things on Netflix. Maybe give you guys some recommendations. We're trying to keep this show as as light and fun as possible. So, without further ado, let's Matt is here with me as always. Let's get into the top yep, ten right. free agents and let's yeah. start with you
1: all right well at number 10 mac you and i uh we both have him on our list i have him lower than you i, I imagine but i have brayden holpe coming in at number 10 here and in you know mac i was debate i had some real debate about brayden holpe because i wasn't sure whether i should put him higher or keep him off the list entirely because you know i like brayden holpe you and i have talked about brayden holpe and his Amazing performances in the playoffs, ad nauseum through the out the years. But you know he's had a real down year in Washington, and it doesn't look like he'll be back in Washington coming into next season. And it looks like the Capitals are going to roll with Samsonov, and and rightly so. You look, look at Samsonov's numbers; they're better, and he's a younger goaltender, and he's he's got a less. He's probably going to take less of a s- salary than Hopey is. A hope probably going to demand. A pretty good salary when he hits the free agent market this offseason. And certainly there will be some teams looking for goaltenders. There always are. But, but as you, you mentioned before, Mac, and I think it's a very good point, the goaltender goaltending market can be real tricky. So Bolt, in my opinion, is going to be one of those goaltenders where he's going to be like a Sergey Bobrovsky and he's going to get a good contract on the first or second day of free agency. Or... We could see him stay on the market for a couple of weeks because, in my opinion, there there is a better goaltender on the market, and I'll get into him as we go down our list. But still, Brayden Holtby, I think, is a good enough goaltender. His accolades and his con- pretty consistent stats throughout his career, I think will back that. And I think that certainly he'll find a landing spot where uh, it's kind of hard to say because, as you know, the goal tending market is tricky and I think that there are teams that could use a goaltender you know Minnesota comes to mind Calgary comes to mind Carolina those are just three teams off the top of my head here Mac that could use a a true starting goaltender but the question is what is Holtby thinking he's worth at this point in his career
0: yeah that that's a great question I think you're right about the down season. I actually have him... Where do I have him? I have him at number six, mostly because he's got a great track record. And when you compare his seasons, this is really kind of a, a one-off in terms of a very poor season. And, and I've had a chance to watch, I would say, a good amount of Capitals games this season. And what I've noticed is they're not strong defensively. They're actually pretty bad. And they used to be a lot better in that regard. So a lot of the time, yeah, there are some goals he'd like to have back. But a lot of the time, you can't blame the goaltender for his numbers. You see the team giving up five, six goals on some occasions. And that will really inflate his numbers. But what I know about Holtby... Is and we've talked about this before, he's one of those interesting goalies where I think as much as he'd like to be a number one, I think he'd really benefit from playing in a tandem. And that's the interesting thing here. Because he's having a poor season stats-wise, you wonder if he's much lower value on the market. And you mentioned not too many teams are really looking for goalies. A lot of teams already have goalies. so. Someone has to sign him, right? But not that many teams have a lot of cap room. So I the one possibility that stands out to me, Matt, is is Edmonton. Because hmm. Yeah, you got a great performance from Mike Smith, but Mike Smith is much older than Holtby. And Holtby brings a Stanley Cup, he's won a Vesna trophy. He's he's a great guy on and off the ice, it seems. He's from nearby in Saskatchewan. This would just be a really great fit for Holtby, but the question is, again, can you make the salary work? And is Edmonton going away from Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen? And I really don't know. That's one I came up with for Holtby though.
1: Yeah, I think you bring up some good points there. I I really think the tangent tandem one is an interesting point. You look at uh, when Grubauer was on Washington a couple seasons ago, he and Grubauer worked pretty well as a tandem, and I think it really benefited Braden Holpe. And if Holpe could find a situation like that with the team and play half the games or a quarter of the games or something like that, I think that that could really benefit him. And I think that we could start seeing his numbers go back to where we'd expect a goaltender like Brayden Holpe to be,
0: yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's let's hear your number nine, and we'll compare.
1: All right, my number nine here, Mac, a former Ottawa center, currently in Florida, is none other than Mike Hoffman. Now, Mike Hoffman, if you want a goal scorer and a pure goal scorer, of course, the first person that comes to your mind is Alex Ovechkin, Mac, but but I'd say uh, Mike Hoffman is on that list kind of towards the middle and i think that he's one of those players that a team could pick up this offseason and they could use him as a a third or second line forward maybe even a first depending on the situation that team's in and he's usually pretty good for 20-25 goals Uh, he's gotten close to 30 a few times in his career what i will say about mike hoffman from his time in ottawa and watching him in florida is that Mike Hoffman, what you see Mike Hoffman do in Florida and what you've seen him done in Ottawa is is what you're going to get in Mike Hoffman. He's a player where his defensive abilities have never really been the highest. So teams calling for him aren't going to be calling him to play that two-way game. He's the type of player that will be a real good asset on your power play. He'll be good when you need a goal. But what really held him back in Ottawa, and I think it holds him back in Florida too, and I think it holds him back from being higher on this list, is he's a bit of a defensive liability. And yeah, I think he's gotten better as his career's gone along, but I don't notice a whole lot of a big difference from when he left Ottawa a couple seasons ago to where he is in Florida now. And don't forget, Mac, he's also 30 years old. So even though he's... Still pretty young as a human being goes you know you're starting you're kind of in the middle of your career you're slowly starting to approach the uh the golden years of your career i'll call it mac and i think that that will hold back the value of mike hoffman a bit
0: yeah speaking of hoffman i actually have him at number seven a little bit higher than you but you are exactly right he's a pure goal scorer and The word that comes to mind when I think of Mike Hoffman is underrated because no one ever talks about this guy, but everybody around the league knows he's good. They know he's pretty much good for 25 to 30 goals almost every season. You go back to the 2014-2015 season when he really broke out as a player and just listen to these numbers. 353 points since then, including a career high last year. So if you're looking for a top 6 forward, someone to help out, maybe one of your one of the guys you've drafted, this guy is a great fit and Matt, one team that comes to mind here for me is the LA Kings. The LA Kings are are rebuilding, but you've seen the surge that they've had late in the year. They could really benefit from bringing in a guy like Mike Hoffman here.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Um who I put down is Vancouver. And now Vancouver, Vancouver would be a little trickier, of course, because they've got a, a tough cap situation out on the West Coast. But the way I see it is you're more than likely lo- going to lose Tyler to Foley this offseason, much as you'd love to keep him around. It's it just I don't see it working cap-wise unless you're willing to give up a guy like Jacob Markstrom. And I don't see Jim Benning willing to do that. So I think that uh, Mike Hoffman would be a pretty good fill-in there on a a young Vancouver team, a team that's got lots of goal scoring. And I think Mike Hoffman would slide into that high-energy, high-speed, high-tempo team in Vancouver. The question, of course, is what's the price going to be? If Jim Benning is able to negotiate a fair contract with Mike Hoffman this offseason. I think that that would be a very good landing spot for him.
0: Yeah, I like that suggestion as well. But really, I feel like this is an affordable guy. You're not going to need to pay too much for him. And you know what he's going to bring. He's in great shape. He's he's a really talented shooter and scorer. Like you said, you know what you're getting with him. He's not a two-way forward. He's a playmaking forward who can also shoot very well. And he's one of the best goal scorers kind of to hit the market in a little while. So I'm really interested to see where this guy lands. But he had a great run with the Sens. And really, if you look at his numbers in Florida, he's been quite good with them as well. So I, I, I really expect that he's going to have another fine season. And I look forward to seeing where he ends up.
1: Yeah. I do as well. I, I don't see him staying in Florida. I think Florida is ready to move on from him. And I think that Mike Hoffman, whichever team lands him, will be in a, a real solid pickup. All right, Mac. Uh, so I've given you my my 10th and my 9th player. It's time for you to uh, reveal your 8th player, Mac. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number eight, I've got Tyler Toffoli, and th- this was a tough one for me for a couple reasons. I like, I like Toffoli a lot, but at the same time, he just hasn't really produced big numbers in his career. I mean, for a guy who's, who's won a Stanley Cup, and he's a very skilled player, he's fit in very well with Vancouver, I think you'd be shocked to learn that his career best is 49 points. But at the same time, you look at his limited time with Vancouver after the trade, he's been a point-per-game player, 10 points in 10 games. And he was also poised to post a career-best season and probably crack the 50-point barrier for the first time. And remember, he's still young. He's not even really that close to 30 yet. The other thing you have to consider with Toffoli is during the last few years with the Kings, they haven't really had a whole lot of offense around it. Let's be honest, Matt. So you have to consider that as well. But Tyler Toffoli is, for me, he's always kind of that guy that leaves you wanting more. And I just kind of worry or wonder if a team is going to commit so much money to him long-term when really you could get the same results from a Mike Hoffman or an Evgeny Dadunov. Well, you bring up some excellent points here, Mac.
1: And and you, you know, I think this is one where you and I differ drastically. I actually have Tyler Foley in my top five. And I actually have him for three. I I was debating where to put him and he was one that I debated long and hard about because you, you raised some excellent points about Tyler Foley, Mac. But at the same time, I look at what he's done throughout his career and yeah, it's, he hasn't cracked the fifty-point barrier, but from watching Tyler Tofoli here in Ottawa when he was a member of the sixty-seven to where he is now in the NHL, to me, he's less about. The, yeah, he's a great. He's got some great goal-scoring skills and hockey skills, but for me, it, it's a lot of the little things. You guys, when especially when uh, LA was going for the Cup runs, he did a lot of little things. He was great. He was great on defense. He was. A pretty good playmaker, and I think that Tyler Toffoli also carries a name with him. He, he's a name that pretty much everyone who watches hockey knows, and usually when you see names like that, GMs are willing to sign. The more owners are going to say, look, we want you to go out and get this name. I think that Tyler Toffoli will certainly be getting a lot of calls when the season opens up. I think that, yeah, you're right, he's been held down by... Uh, by some pretty bad Los Angeles Kings teams over the past couple of seasons. And I think that that has lowered his point potential. But if you look overall, as he's played longer, his career totals have gone up. As you mentioned, he was looking to break the 50-point barrier this year. I think that Tyler Toffoli is one of those players where you will have to gamble on him a bit, but I think that he does the little things right, and he's a pretty good goal scorer too.
0: Yeah, that's totally fair, and, and I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. I just, I don't know. There There's something about him that, like, I appreciate how skilled and how good of a player he is, but I just feel like with the amount of teams that are strapped for cash, you have to be really careful in free agency, although <laughs> they never are, so... No, uh, uh, but I, like you said, this is this is a young guy who's going to get a lot of calls. There's going to be a lot of teams interested in him, and you just look at the price that Vancouver gave up for him as a rental. It was astronomical. So just imagine how much he's going to command on the open market. Yeah,
1: you're absolutely right, and and I th- I think where you and I meet in the middle here is we know the we know the skill of Tyler Toffoli. We know what he's been able to accomplish in his career. But I think both of you and I are, wouldn't want to go all in on Tyler Tappoli.
0: No, but again, I'm I'm always interested in free agency because I wonder if we're finally going to get a year when we don't see a bunch of ridiculous long-term contracts and we see more three- and four-year deals, maybe max five. This really feels like it might be the one, but I mean, we'll see because those long-term contracts uh, are always... I'm going to let
1: you finish, but it's free agency. As much as I'd like to believe that myself, we've been saying that for years and GMs keep getting burned on the free agency market. So as much as I'd love to agree with you, I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. All right. So let's move on to the next one, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. So at n- at number seven,
1: that's where we're at, right? <laughs> you know, we've been chatting for so long, I lost my place. <laughs> yeah, number seven. All right. At number seven here, Mac, I have Sammy Vatnin. And mm. for, for me, Sammy Vatnin, he's even though he's been on some pretty – rough New Jersey teams the past couple years, he's put up decent numbers. You look at the numbers that he's put up, his plus-minus really isn't that bad for a a tough New Jersey team. And for me, Sammy Vattenen's one of those guys where he slides in very easily to any team's top-four defense.
0: Would you agree? Yeah, I actually have him at number nine. Not because I doubt Vattenen, But I I think we should mention that really he's been unable to stay healthy for the last four years with upper and lower lower body injuries. (laughs) And that's my concern. It's not his ability. But at some point, how many injuries can this guy take? He's still fairly young. But if you look back to him when he posted a career best 38 points with a good Ducks team – In 2015, 2016, he's just not been the same since. And I don't wonder about ability. I wonder about can he stay healthy? And I think this may be one of those situations where he really thinks about which team has the best training staff, who's going to be able to help keep me healthy so I can have a long and successful career. Because the last four years have been a struggle, and they've been terrible, let's be honest. So I I don't know where he's going to land, but like you said, he he's a defenseman. He can slide into your top four. The only question is health with this guy. So I have him a little bit lower, but I understand that if if I didn't have any injury concerns, he'd be higher. I'll say that.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that one, Mac. I think that that uh, Sammy Vatten. He's proven himself as a. Solid reliable defenseman through his career. It's just the injuries and I think if he can stay healthy and if some GM can pick him up for the right price as they said, I think he can slide in very comfortably into any top four defensive pairings in the league
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's move on to your number six because my number six, as I mentioned, was Braden Holtby. So let's hear your number six, Matt. My number
1: six here is Grenland Mack. I think that he is, he's had a solid career. I think that he's put up decent numbers with really any team that he's gone to. I think Mikel Granland currently, he's put up decent numbers this year in Minnesota. I think that he's one of those players. Where I'd kind of put him in the Mike Hoff- almost the Mike Hoffman category, where you know you know what you're gonna get out of him. I think that he's he played well for Minnesota when they were doing, you know they were going through their rough stretch. He's still pretty young, and he's in the 16 games he was able to play with with Nashville. Yeah, he only put up five points, but you know I don't think that's indicative to what his General career statistics trend towards, and I think that he's one of those guys where you'll you can get him on a pretty fair contract, and you know he's usually pretty good for 40, 50 points every year. That's generally the trend he's been at, and he's been he's a young guy too. He's not all that old. He's he is 28 years old, so you know he he's not super young, but he's had some NHL experience at this point. And he's a pretty consistent player.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good point. And a lot of people forget it wasn't so long ago that this guy was a fixture with the Minnesota Wild with a career-high 69 points in 2016-2017 and then 67 in the following season. Since then, it's it's been uh, definitely a struggle. last three years have not been kind to him. 49 points in 2018-2019. He only played 16 games with the Preds last year and only put up five points this year. Again, not really not great and not what you'd expect from him. 30 points in 63 games for Granlin. So, again, he's one of those guys, kind of like Toffoli. You know he's skilled. You know he's talented. But... He always leaves you wanting more. I actually don't have him in my top 10, and he would he would just miss the cut because I honestly I think this guy is not getting anywhere near what he's getting now, which is $5.75 million. You're going to have to take a pay cut and prove yourself again because which Michael Granlund are we seeing here, Matt? Are we seeing a 50-point player or a 60-point player or a 40-point player? or even a 30, 35 point player really don't know.
1: Yeah. And that's the question. The reason I put him in my top 10 is, is because of, as you said, I think you can get him on a pretty good pay cut. I think that he's one of those guys where you take a bit of a gamble on him. And if he you performs, you're going to look like a genius at the end of the season. He's a, he's got a lot of skill. The question is, is can he stay healthy?
0: Absolutely. All right, on to the next one.
1: So we are halfway through our list here, Mac. How about you reveal your number five?
0: All right, at number five, I've got Robin Leonard. So Mm. Leonard, for me, this this was a difficult one because I love the upside with Leonard, but at the same time, um, he just hasn't been able to get a long-term contract with anyone. I don't really know why. I think a lot of people thought the Islanders were going to commit to him long term, and for some reason they decided not to. But in the last few years, and he's an easy guy to have on your team, he's easy to root for. But the biggest thing he wants is he wants to be a starter somewhere, and he wants to be able to sign on long term. Now, that's difficult, like I mentioned, with goalies. So, you know, this is a guy that I really feel could be a huge upgrade for some teams that are in need of a goalie. And we were talking about this before the show started, before we started recording. And I could see him potentially playing in a tandem with Flurry. But the problem with that, Matt, is flurry has got another three years on his contract. And you're not just going to trade him away. I mean... He's done so much for that team and so much for that organization and the fans. There's no way you're moving him anywhere. So if maybe you can reach some kind of agreement on maybe like a two- or a three-year deal where you kind of play in a tandem, that could work. But the other thing is, Lehner, since he joined Vegas, has gone 3-0 with a 940 save percentage. That's a lot better than Fleury. So That is possible, although it seems kind of far-fetched. And there are a couple, there are a few teams here that really stand out to me as good opportunities for Leonard. And it starts with the Carolina Hurricanes, because what they've got now with Mrazek and Reimer, again, it's not bad. But Rob and Leonard would fit so perfectly into Carolina if they can make the money work. He is exactly what they need, Matt, and. He would help them win so many more games. And I think you and I would feel a lot better about their playoff chances if you had a guy like Laner in there for maybe four or five years. And then another team that is kind of in a similar position to Carolina is Minnesota. I think Devin Dubnik's best days are probably behind him. He's a good deal older than Laner. And then a slam dunk, if this happens and uh let's hope it doesn't is Colorado. He could step in there and, and really solidify the goaltending where you thought Grubauer was that number one, but it turns out Grubauer plays better in a tandem and he's not ready to be that number one. So now you've got Grubauer, the and Hutchison. Lehner could really be the guy that you rely on there. So a real interesting one is Robin Lehner. And I, I'm rooting for him. I'm really hoping he's able to to find a great situation to play in. So we'll see what happens.
1: You know, I think you bring up some great points on Robin Lendermack. I think that he is the best goaltender in the free agent class this coming offseason. I actually have him a spot higher than you do. I have him at number four. I think that you're right. He could slide into pretty much any team with a goaltending situation and he could really give some stability for them. He's still pretty young for a goaltender at just 28 years old. I think he's really going to approach his prime in the next couple years. What he really wants is some stability, and he he wants a contract that's more than just one or two seasons. And I think that there certainly are some teams that are willing to offer him that. And I think that Carolina in particular would be a really good landing spot for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's hear who you have at number five. All right. At number five, Mac,
1: I have Corey Krug. And I, for me, uh, Tory Krug was kind of a hard one to rank because everyone kind of knows how good of a defenseman he is. And everyone kind of knows that he's not going to end up back in Boston. After this season, and as you mentioned before we start recording, he's more than likely not going to go back to Detroit <laughs> for obvious reasons. And right. I, th- I think that uh, Torrey Krugy, you know, he's one of those defensemen that does all the little things very well. He can shut down some of the best players in the league. He can slide into a top two tandem or a top four defensive pairing quite easily. I think that. He's one of those guys that can also put up a, a decent number of points for a defenseman, and I think that any team that's, that is able to get him signed will certainly be able to reap the rewards from him because he's still a pretty young player. He's just 28 years old, and I think that he's been pretty consistent throughout his career. You look at his stats through this season, Mac, he's put up 47 assists and he's gotten six helpers, six goals to go along with that for a solid fifty-three points. You know, that's pretty darn good for a defenseman. So he can put up points, and he can also play that shutdown role, which I think a lot of teams would be
0: certainly looking for. Yeah, absolutely. I have him a little bit higher than you, um, but let's move on to number four, shall we? Yeah. So as I mentioned, my number four
1: was Robin Leonard. So what is your number four, Mac?
0: I've got another goalie here. I've got Jacob Markstrom here, Matt. And this was a Ooh. tough one for me deciding between the two, but ultimately I felt a little more comfortable putting Markstrom there because he's played more than Leonard. There's more of a sample size with Markstrom in terms of a, a goaltender who's played a good deal of games over kind of the last three, four years. And It's funny, you know, you look back to when they traded away Roberto Luongo, which was a big deal many years ago. In exchange, you got Sean Mathias and Markstrom. Now, Markstrom at one point was the top goalie prospect in the league, but he really didn't develop the way the Florida Panthers hoped he would. And, I mean, he spent parts of eight seasons in the Panthers organization. But anytime he got an opportunity, he didn't make the most of it. So finally they decided to move on when they were in contention. And the Canucks really saw that this could be a guy they could rely on down the road. He just needed more time. It was as simple as that. And sure enough, he was a late bloomer. He eventually became the Canucks starter in the Mm -hmm. 2017, 2018 season after having a really good run with Utica. And for me, this is a guy, Matt, that has really earned his payday. I mean, he has put in the work. And as much as the Canucks would like to have him back, I don't know if I see that happening for a couple of reasons. Number one, the money. Number two, you've got Thatcher Demko, who wants his shot at the job and has played really well in Markstrom's absence. So I don't know if you can convince him to stay. Now, there's, there's a few teams that could really benefit from bringing him in. And, and the one that stands out to me here, Matt, is the Chicago Blackhawks. Because you've got Corey Crawford coming off the books. And I, I really think you've moved on from him, unless you can get him to accept a backup role or a lesser role. You've already traded away Robin Leonard. But really, ever since Crawford's prime, one of the things that the Blackhawks haven't had is goaltending. Markstrom can give that to you. And I think if you have that consistently, you have a much better shot at making the playoffs. Yeah,
1: you're right. I, I have uh, I have Jake Markstrom around. I think I have him at number eight. So you know, I have him low. I had him lower, but I will say that you know, for me, you you can easily make a, a case to put him at three, four, or five. You know, there's just so many good. Players that are available, and I think you br- raised some excellent points about Jacob Markstrom. The thing for me is, I just have that feeling that Jim Banning is going to do any everything in his power to re-sign Jacob Markstrom. They really like him out in Vancouver, and of course, it's a question of is Jim Benning able to find that money? And I think that he, he he's a smart enough GM that, and that if he really wants to re-sign him, he'll find a way to do it. So. I'm not 100% convinced that he's going to hit the market. It certainly is leaning towards that way. But I think that the Canucks would really like to keep him around for a good reason. He's a solid goaltender.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think Vancouver will do everything they can, but the money's going to be difficult. And it's going to be their biggest challenge. All right, so we've got three left. Let's move on to number three. Who do you have, Matt?
1: So as mentioned earlier in the show, Mac, I have Tyler Toffoli at number three. Now, uh, I know you had him lower, and I'll quickly. I'll wait, wait, in. wait a second!
0: Wait. wait a second! Now that's a spicy meatball.
1: Well, well, okay, I gotta ask, why didn't
0: you make a big <laughs> deal
1: about this earlier? I, like I told you earlier in the show, I had him at number three, and I thought I gave some pretty good reasons to why I have him at number three. But I'm happy to reiterate them for you here, Mac. The reason I have Tyler Toffoli, as I said before, is he's one of those players that, for me, especially on a championship contending team, he does all the little things right. I remember watching him in junior. He he was one of those guys where he would force turnovers and he would play fairly well defensively and he would put up decent points. And for me, Tyler Toffoli is one of those guys that was kind of held back, especially the last few years on the Kings, a regressing Kings team. And I think that that the way the Kings played during that time time really didn't fully benefit Tyler Toffoli's true skill. Because in junior, he put up some real solid numbers. I'll have to pull them up for you here, Matt, because that was the one thing I didn't pull up. But it's just going to take me home. But I I will say, you know, Tyler Toffoli... I think that he's one of those guys where he's a name. He's won some cups. He's won some hardware. He is—he's a real risk. I, I will give you that, Mac. I think that team—that he is a gamble, but he's one of those guys where I think if you give him the right situation and you give him some good talent around him, I really do think that he could be one of those guys that really just explodes on another team. So. Here's the stats from his time in Ottawa here, Mac. So in his last couple seasons in the AHL, he put up 57 goals in 68 games in 2010-2011. And he put up about the same his final year on. He put up 52 goals and 48 assists, good for 100 points even. So that those are pretty good numbers in, in junior. And, and if you look at his career statistics, of course, when the Kings were at their peak, that was kind of when he was. And then you look at his best his best year Mac, 2015-16, on the L.A. Kings. Played the full 82 games. He scored 31 goals. He got, he was got 27 assists. And now and let me remind you, Mac, that was on an L.A. Kings team that was starting to regress. That was not the best of the L.A. Kings team. He and he still was able to put up some real solid numbers that year. I think that for Tyler Toffoli, I think he is, as I mentioned, I think he is a risk, but I think the name that he brings with him, the talent that everyone knows he has, I think that he could really command a lot of money, especially with the numbers he's put up in Vancouver recently. I think if he can keep that going through the potential remainder of the regular season if they play it, and the potential playoffs, I really do think that could just skyrocket his stock here.
0: Yeah, that that's a great point, and I don't disagree with you. I just I think everyone's waiting for him to really break out, and maybe he's a late bloomer. Maybe he's a guy that really figures it out at age 27, 28. I mean, there's a lot of players like that, let's face it. So I have I have a different player at my number three, and you mentioned him already. I've got Tory Krug all the way at number three, and it's it's funny. Three four years ago, if you told me Tori Krug was going to hit the open market, I would say, well, he's a good young defenseman, but you know I I don't really have a whole lot to go on here and say he's going to be one of the top free agents. But it just he's just developed incredibly well. And, you know, he's not he's not like like an Alex Petrangelo or a Victor Hedman. You know, he's maybe a step down from them because he's a little bit smaller, but he's really strong on his skates. He can run a power play with the best of them, and he can hold his own defensively. Um, and I didn't think it was possible for him to still be underrated, but I still think he is. And everyone's talking about Petrangelo at all, but then you've got this Tory Krug guy, who's really darn good. And you mentioned point production. Three consecutive seasons of 50 points or more, and he would have had a fourth once again if the season wasn't postponed. So, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I don't think he's going home to Michigan to play with the Red Wings because I don't think he's willing to wait four or five years to win. And this is a real interesting offseason for the Bruins because – I don't know if Halak's going to be back as the backup. Zdeno Chara said recently that the pause is making his decision on whether or not to play next season even more difficult. And you do have to re-sign him if he's going to play again. Plus, you've got Tory Krug, who's going to command a lot of attention on the open market. So really interested to see where this guy lands. But in my opinion... If you're you're a team that's looking for a top four defender, someone who can run your power play, play in all situations, and maybe you don't get an Alex Petrangelo, which is obviously gonna be incredibly difficult to get, Tori Krug is absolutely your guy. And it's it's funny how much the defense market drops off after Petrangelo and Krug. You go from Petrangelo and Krug to Vatanen. That's a pretty big drop off there, man.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you there, Mac. I think even though is still a solid defenseman, and I think, as I said, I think he can slide into any defensive group in the league. Tory Krug is a absolutely fantastic player, and I really did debate him, debate putting him in my top three because he, he's that good of a player. I think that he really has thrived on that Boston team, and I think that a lot of teams will be very happy if they're able to pick him up over the offseason. So
0: let's move on to our top two here, Matt. I think we actually have the exact same top two here, and that's, that's not a coincidence. I mean, I think anyone would say these guys are the two best players on the market. So without further ado, at number two, Matt. At number two, I have
1: Alex Petrangelo. And, you know, if it wasn't for the guy at number one, he would very easily be the number one guy in the free agent class because you just look at his career statistics and what he's been able to do with the St. Louis Blues over the past few seasons in particular. you look at last year when they won the Cup. He played 71 games, was able to pot 13 goals, 28 assists, good for 41 points. And the points are everything with Alex Vigrantel. He is a super, super good two-way defenseman. He can shut down some of the league's best quite easily. He can. He's the type of guy you want out there for every penalty kill. He's the type of guy you want out there if it's a 2-1 game in Game 7 and you're facing off against some of the league's best. I could go on and on about how good Alex yeah. Tantangelo is because he's that good of a player. He's a fantastic defenseman and the other thing I will say, he's a great leader as well. He's been the captain for the St. Louis Blues for a few years now. And he's, he was really able to be a big part in the Blues winning the Cup last year. He was able to rally the troops, let's say, and bring them from last in the league to the Stanley Cup in June. So I think Alex Petrangelo will certainly be getting a very good contract from a team over the offseason, and rightly so.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said, and I just wanted to add a couple things in here before we move on to our number one. The other thing about Petrangelo that I don't think we talk enough, Matt, is like you look back at the last 10 years in defensemen, and I think the last 10 years is dominated by guys like Latang, Doughty, Keith, etc., But really, this is a guy that has been consistently in the Norris conversation for most of his career. And he's just... Guys like this don't come on the market that often. And he's only 30 years old. He's still in great shape and still playing very well. So this is a guy that he's that good that teams will try and move around salary to try and fit in. I think every team is interested in Alex Petrangelo. So, without further ado, our number one free agent, it was unanimous between both of us, it's Taylor Hall, Matt.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd say this is a pretty easy number one. Even if you don't know hockey all that well, Taylor Hall, the stats speak for themselves here, Mac. Even though his numbers have been down over the last couple of seasons, you can chop that up to some injuries and some rough teams he's played on. I think that Taylor Hall is one of those guys that doesn't hit the – he's not—he's the type of guy that doesn't hit the free agent market very often. Mm-hmm. And when he does, you know, every team's team that has the capacity to get him will more than likely go after him. And I think that a lot, a lot of teams are going to be calling his agent come the offseason this year.
0: Yeah, he's just two years removed from that Hart Trophy season where really he was just unbelievable with 93 points in 76 games for the New Jersey Devils. Since then, he has 89 points in two seasons. But like you mentioned, he's had some injuries. He's been a bit inconsistent. But you look at his career. He's only 28, 563 points in 627 games. And this is a guy that really needs to pick the right situation. I don't think the Coyotes were the best situation for him, but again, he got traded there. He didn't have a whole lot of say and he got traded to a playoff contender. So there's not a whole lot you can ask for uh, if you're Taylor Hall there. Uh, But the Coyotes are a defense first team, like I said, and I, I don't think his dynamic offense really fits in with their play style. And I don't, I don't think he's staying there's there's no question about that for me as much as you'd like to re-sign him I I don't think you can convince him and now here's where it gets really scary here Matt because as much as I don't want to do this it makes too much sense and um, this is going to cause a lot of teams to go crazy next year but I'm predicting Taylor Hall signs with the Colorado Avalanche for five years you know
1: I'm predicting that as well, Mac. This is a double prediction here. How often do we have a double prediction from the two OFs? <laughs> and I, and you know what? I, I'm God with you. help <laughs> us all. <laughs> For me, this is almost on the you know the Kevin Durant going to the Warriors level of stuff, right? I don't yeah. think it's quite that bad because basketball is basketball. But we haven't we haven't seen. A team up like this really ever in the NHL and there's the real potential could happen this offseason I think that Colorado it's just a perfect storm you have the cap space available you have a young fast exciting goal-scoring team that is pretty close to contending for a cup you've got Nathan McKinnon you've got Cog. This is a perfect situation for Taylor Hall to find himself in. I, I think it just makes too much sense.
0: Yeah, I, I. if they come calling, and even if they offer maybe a little bit less money, if you're giving him five, six years, I don't see how you turn that down. I mean, this is, this is the best situation for you since you played in Edmonton. No question.
1: Absolutely, it's the best situation. I think that... I think that there's a really good chance it's going to happen. I and I think it'll still surprise people. It'll catch people off guard because no, we don't see that type of thing in the NHL very often. And I think it, I think it could happen. And as you mentioned earlier in the broadcast, they could also pick up a guy like Robin Leonard. And then it just gets unfair, Mac. If they find oh, a God, if <laughs> finds a way to sign a guy like Robin Leonard and Taylor Hall.
0: Oh my. <laughs> Yeah, you know,
1: that... you back in, like, NHL, like, 11 through 15, there was a rule at parties. You couldn't play as a Hawks because they were just too good. I think this is going to be the avalanche in upcoming NHL games if this happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if they have enough to sign both guys, but certainly but if you're creative, you... you could probably do it. As scary as that sounds, you could probably pull it off.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you and I were cr- critical of Joe Sack pretty early in his general manager career, but he, he's done a very good job. He's learned as he's gone along, and I think he's made, for the most part in the last two years, he's made some very solid moves. He's made some smart moves to make his team better, and Joe, Ka- Joe Sack is a smart guy. I think he could figure out a way to certainly to get both. I think that if you can get it, if you can... Tell Taylor Hall, look, we're going to get a guy like Robin Leonard so that you we can have a solid goaltender here in Colorado and you can play with Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landiscock. I don't think you need much more of a sales pitch there, Matt.
0: No, no, absolutely not. And
1: look, Taylor Hall wants to win. He, he absolutely wants to win. He's made that very clear. There's a reason why New Jersey – they, they made all those moves over the off season last year because they wanted to say to Taylor Hall, look, you're in the prime of your career. We want you to win here. We want you to stay here. And obviously that didn't work out. And I think that Colorado, it's just a perfect storm. Now I did put down one more team just as a, a thought experiment here, Matt.
0: Okay. And
1: I want to hear your thoughts on it. Cause I still, I, I still think we're going with the double prediction here, but let's right. make things interesting. So, The other team I put down, and I I was only looking at teams, and this was going through our research for our next segment in a moment, but the other team I put up here was Montreal Mac. And Mm. for me, Montreal, they have a similar cap situation as Colorado, almost identical, actually. And the other thing with Montreal is I'd say they're a couple years behind at least where Colorado is, but Montreal is the cap space. They have the goaltender to do it. They have some solid prospects, and they have some solid players making their way into the league. I could see Taylor Hall in Montreal. Could
0: you? Yeah, that's that's an interesting fit. I mean, um, I, mean it's I, New I agree Montreal... they're, they're a few years behind, but that definitely does fit, and that is a team that's going in the right direction. I think it's just – I think the biggest thing Bergevin has learned – is that this team needs a little bit of time. We need a little bit of time to develop as a team. And if we can be that team that's contending in two years, that's kind of where we want it to be. So that, yeah, that's, that could be a good fit as well. Um, but, but again, like you said, uh, if the Colorado Avalanche have the space and they want Taylor Hall, how in the world can he say no? Exactly. Like it's, it's, it's literally a dream come true for a free agent to be able to sign and play with a Nathan McKinnon and play with a team as good as Colorado and sign on exactly. long-term. So, And, and we've heard Colorado is interested in Hall, although Joe Sackett keeps things pretty quiet down there. And and that's why I think it will catch a lot of people off guard is that Sackett's that
1: quiet guy. He'll make that move and no one will see it coming except you and I, and we can say we called it. <laughs> Not that you and I brag very much about our predictions coming true, but now and again, we do make a, a correct prediction, and you and I love to love to talk about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So before so, we wrap on on these free agents, I did want to mention a few other interesting guys, Matt. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens with Tyson Berry because – at Barry, to me, is not a two-way defenseman. Barry is just an offensive defenseman. Maybe you could play on your second or third pairing, and that's what he is. If you're trying to make him something he's not, don't. To, for me, this is a guy that going into the season would have been top 10, but he has completely fallen out of that discussion. And another guy that I want to mention here is Alex Galchenyuk. Everyone knows how talented and skilled he is, but the results just haven't been there. He's played pretty well with Minnesota. He's now 26 years old. Again, we may be looking at a, another late bloomer. And then, really, there aren't too many other guys that, that really draw your attention. Um, Travis Hamanick is a guy that a team could use. Vladislav Nemesnikov. But really, when you, when you get past the top tier talent, it's it's just not the same. And there's definitely some but, value to be had out there. But yeah,
1: I'll, I'll tell you, I, I th- I'm gonna change my number one totally, Mac. Now that I'm thinking about who's gonna be hitting the free agent market, we totally forgot about the legend of Cody CC. Absolutely, the <laughs> number one free agent available. <laughs>
0: Oh, Cody Cece.
1: Well, I you said at the early episode we're gonna keep things light and fluffy, so you know, he
0: Cody yeah. Cece,
1: light and fluffy. I'm calling it. Someone's, you know, and this is now being serious. I think some team's gonna, some team's gonna take a real gamble on him, and I think that Cody Cece is one of those guys where I think that he, he's just been put in the wrong situation. I think that. Mm-hmm. If he's in a top six, especially a bottom pairing, I think that that could be well for him. But you look at Cody CC throughout his career at Ottawa and now Toronto, they give him these top-line minutes and he's not a top-line defense.
0: Exactly. And the sooner he figures that out, the sooner his career will start to take off. I think we're, we're totally on the same page there because... There's nothing wrong with being a bottom pairing defenseman. Those guys still play important minutes. You can still play a little bit on the penalty kill, and, and if you want to win in your career, you have to accept what you are. And for Cody Ceci, that's been that's not really uh, him. I think it's more teams that put him in those situations, like you said. Um, and I think it has Absolutely. become abundantly clear to Ottawa. That Cody CeCe was not able to handle those big minutes, so they traded him away. Anyway, um, let's move on to our next discussion here because we went a long time about free agents. We hope you guys enjoyed that discussion. What do we want to talk about next here?
1: Well, I think well, I think on the topic of cap space, we should hop into the cap space head first here, Mac. And I think before we become the bears of bad news, we should talk about the teams. With the best cap space, and I I wrote three for each year, Mac, and we can dive into each one a little deeper here. And we've already mentioned Colorado, and mm-hmm. for me, Colorado is one of the teams with the absolute best cap space. And the reason why is even though they don't have the most cap space available, they're the team in the the best position to do a lot with that cap space. You and I have mentioned the potential of landing a guy like Hall over the off season and. I think that Colorado, they're not pressed against the cap. Even if they don't get a guy like Taylor Hall, they've got some money to make some needed improvements on that Colorado team. As you and I have mentioned in our previous episodes, we like Colorado. We like the situation they've got there, and we like the direction they're heading, but they certainly could use a little more depth, especially scoring depth in Colorado. And if they have that money available, they should certainly look to shore up that scoring depth.
0: Yeah. Um then, I agree with that one as, as one of the best. Continue.
1: And then next, uh, uh, we actually mentioned them again already. Uh, Montreal, I think that Montreal, they've got a very similar situation to, in cap terms to Colorado. They've got about $5 million in cap space there. I think that they're a team that could make some moves to become a better team. As you and I have both mentioned, they're a team that's still – a couple years from competing, but I think that they're a team that if Bergerman plays his cards right with this cap space and with the cap poised to go up at some point soon, Montreal certainly could find themselves with a lot of extra money to spend and they could certainly become a real contender real fast. And then this one's a bit of a hometown bias, Matt, but I think the Ottawa absolutely, just from a numbers perspective and the situation Ottawa's in, you've got... $7 million in cap space right now if you're here, Dorian. And I think that that, that's a real bonus to helping make your rebuild go better and go faster. And don't forget, Ottawa's also taking some of their contracts off the books like the Ryan Callahan deal, that one's coming off the books this offseason, as well as Clark MacArthur's contract is coming off the books. So Ottawa's going to have even more cap space to work with. They're actually going to be below the cap floor. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to be dealing for a contract, like a Marion Hosta-type contract, to hit the cap floor this offseason. But regardless, I think Ottawa, as this team builds – towards becoming a contender here and get more top-tier prospects, I think that that cap space is going to become real handy because you'll be able to sign a guy like Brady Kachak whose entry-level deal will be coming to an end, not this offseason, but next offseason, and obviously you want to keep him around. So you'll have money to sign guys like Brady Kachak to long-term deals, and the whatever prospects you end up getting in this year's draft. So I think. That it's a good situation to be in for Ottawa having all this cap space in the rebuild.
0: Yeah, I've got the same number one and, and the same number three. In the middle, I've got a different number two. Um, you mentioned Montreal. I'm going to go with Columbus because they have a they have a decent amount of cap space. But to me, when you compare kind of rosters and the amount of young players that they have that are coming up and signed to good deals... Columbus comes out just a bit ahead of Montreal, and we know how good of Coach torts is, and he has them playing at their best. But you look at some of these young players that Columbus has under contract, like this Kevin Stemlin kid is is really good. He's going to keep getting better. Tessier, Warenski signed to a reasonable deal. Um, it, you know the list goes on and on. Emil Bemstrom. Columbus has really proven that they're excellent at drafting and developing players and able to sign them for good contracts. So I'm going to go with Columbus at number two. Now let's have some fun and go with the worst. Um, I think you and I probably have the same one and two. I don't know about the number three, so so let's hear it. All right. So uh, the worst, Mac, the absolute worst.
1: And, and, of course, we're not going by pure numbers here because at the absolute worst, if you went with that numbers, it would be Arizona because they have absolutely no cap space. But for me, the worst team with the cap situation, based off the situation they're in, and I wouldn't be surprised, as you mentioned, we probably have the same. The worst team for me is San Jose. Yeah, they have $648,000 in cap space, but that's nothing. You can't even sign a, an entry-level deal with that. And <laughs> And for me, the reason San Jose goes number one is, the situation they're in, you look at the contracts they have. You have Brett Burns' deal, that's a long-term deal. You have Evander Kane's long-term deal. You have Carlson's long-term deal. You have Vlasic's long-term deal. You, you get the trend here, Mac. They've got a bunch of long-term contracts with guys that have had injury problems or are getting past their primes or you overpaid for guys and, and no team wants to take on those contracts right now. So, for me, San Jose is the worst because you can't – these other two teams I have on here, yeah, they have less cap space. But, for me, they can at least make some moves to get some more cap space and they're better teams. San Jose, for me, even if they get better next year, and they probably will because they won't have as many injuries, even if they do get better, they aren't – they don't have a whole lot of cap space to get better, especially on the goaltending front, You. You and I have talked about for years how the San Jose Sharks need a better goaltender than Martin Jones, but you don't have the cap space to sign a goalie yeah. like a Robin yeah. Leonard. So for me, San Jose is going to keep spinning tires until they can find a way to move some of those big contracts, and I don't see it happening.
0: Well, now here's the other problem when you mentioned San Jose. It's one thing to to spend to the cap, but it's another thing to continue trading away your first-round pick every year. How are you going to be able to develop through the draft? How are you going to get your next franchise goalie when you're trading away your draft picks? Like, it, it is just a... We don't understand the situation in San Jose. But anyway, let's move on to number two. Um, I'm, I'm going to take number two, and I, I'm going to assume you probably have the same one as me. I've got the Leafs at number two. Yeah, not, because, I got not because they don't have a lot of talent, but because... Dubas has made a few bad decisions and he's overpaid on certain players. And this has the potential to get a whole lot better. The Leafs have a number of young players that we mentioned on the last show, like Robertson, Sandine, Lilia Grin, et cetera, that are starting to come up and be ready soon um, that will start to take those spots. So you'll now start to get some ELCs in the lineup. And that really helps with your cap space, but just I think cap management is is a big concern with the Leafs because, yeah, you you have all the money in the world compared to a lot of teams, but there's a salary cap here. Like, let's not. The funny thing is, without LTIR, the Leafs would be almost 12 million over the salary cap. Matt, can you believe that?
1: Yeah, as much as it's hard to believe, there's been a lot of big contracts handed out in Leafland, and and I think for uh, the Leafs. They're in a better situation than the San Jose, which is why I've got them at number two. If Toronto was still spinning tires like they were all of the 2000s and early 2010s, Toronto would be number one without a doubt. But yeah. Toronto's <laughs> got, a, I'd say, a decent team, but they still don't have a great cap situation. And, you know, if Kyle Dubas can make some smart moves over the offseason to free up some cap space and get some pro- proper defenders in Toronto – To go along with a guy like Jake Muzzin, my confidence in Toronto becoming a real contender goes a lot higher than it
0: is right now. All right, let's finish this off. Number three, uh, I've got Arizona here.
1: Mm, Well, Arizona for me, I was tempted to put them on. Uh, They'd probably be a number four for me. And I think you and I probably have very similar reasonings on why Arizona would be number three. But I actually went ahead and I put Florida at, at number three. And mm. on, almost it was, it was almost a flip of a coin, honestly, because I could have put either or. But for me, the reason why I put Florida here, Mac, is that, yeah, Florida's got some real solid players, but at the same time, you've got some real long-term deals, especially uh, with uh, Sergey Bobrovsky's deal. That one, I think, Ooh. will be... Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've hurting heard him for quite a while. You know, yeah, You know, he signed for a massive contract last offseason. He's getting paid $10 million a year for the next seven years. And it really has fallen short for him right now. And it doesn't, even though their forwards aren't bad, you don't have a whole lot of space to do a lot of things for, in terms of make, improving your team with Florey. You only have... Four hundred sixteen thousand dollars in cap space. That's not a lot at all. So, if you're Florida, yeah, you you aren't right against the cap, but you're pretty much next. You're pretty much at it. So, for me, Florida, although I think they've got some real potential, it's just the cap space for me, similar to the Leafs, is going to be eating them up over the next few years because I can't improve their team.
0: Yeah. So I think we're just going to leave it at best and worst kind of a top three because we want to finish up this show here uh i've got the arizona coyotes at three um because when i look at their roster it it's just not that impressive considering they've basically used all their money and yes you have guys like taylor hall coming off the books and that's fine but really once you start to have to resign some of these guys that cap space is going to go away in no time so let's move on to our closing of the show. And we just wanted to talk about kind of what we're watching um, during this quarantine. And uh, we just finished uh, a few series we can talk about. And I also wanted to talk about, you know, what we're watching on Netflix, et cetera. So let's get right into it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Mac and I, we just came off watching the 2006 Stanley Cup finals between the Hurricanes and the Oilers. And I got to say, even though that series was just 15 years ago, Mac, it's amazing how different the game of hockey was in 2006. In game 1, one of the refs was playing was skating around without a helmet and it caught you and I off <laughs> completely off guard because you know that's something you think about back to the late 80s, early 90s, right?
0: Or yeah, earlier. exactly. And the the picture on the broadcast, I mean, there used to be a time people when 480p was the best there is. <laughs> that's yeah, that's long gone. But and that's what it was. We all
1: the other ones we've been watching. We watched the uh, 2010 Flyers versus Bruins, and you know, there's a segment in Game One that is um, how would you describe it, Mac? Because I don't think words can describe it, but. Go to, if you're looking for something stupid or you want to watch something stupid about Mike Milbury, go to game one, Flyers versus Bruins from the 2010 playoff. And about halfway through the second period, there's a segment called When Probably Doesn't Cut It with Mike Milbury. And it's... We
0: we don't even know how to describe it, guys. This must have been a one-off. But anyway, it was sponsored by Valvoline. And if you've seen it, you will know exactly what we're talking about. But basically they give him about thirty seconds to describe one play. And he says Patrice Bergeron beat his guy to the net. Briere lost the face off. Bergeron beat him to the net and they scored. You can't do that. And that was it. Like and that was been the segment. my it was just so ridiculous. Like you know and what I will I, do? For... We, weren't, we weren't paying attention, but it's entirely possible that Eddie Olchuk had already pointed that out during the broadcast.
1: Oh, I'm sure. And you know what? You know what I'll do, Matt? Just for our, our, our amazing listeners, I will go back, I will I will take a copy of that clip, and I will upload it to YouTube so that everyone can see it in its pure glory because this can't be lost to time. This is something that should be preserved.
0: Yeah, so... um he mentioned those series. Um, I also watched LA versus Chicago on my own time, 2014 Western Conference final. That was great. Uh, mm, that, I think
1: that was a fabulous series.
0: I think that we're was, planning on Tampa and Calgary from 2004 next. That's yeah, probably our next series. Uh,
1: I'm also doing a, a 2015 Sens run to the playoffs. Uh, I found a whole bunch of Sens games from 2015 and I'm just watching the games down the stretch run and including the losses because you got to go with the highs and lows of the games. And it's been great. It's been great to see how good Andrew Hammond was for those three months in 2015 and see how good Mark Stone was as a rookie. He really could have won the caller that year, but Aaron Eckblatt ultimately beat him out by a few votes, I think. So, it's been fun to watch that and both of us are really enjoying the 2009 caps versus penn series a real good rivalry o- in venus prime versus crosby and malkin and their primes it- it's fabulous we've been really enjoying these series once again if you're looking to watch some of these games because you can't find them on nhl live and both mac and i have been critical of nhl live for that if you want to find some of these great games all you have to do is type in NHL Playoffs Archive on YouTube or Serg 72 on YouTube or NHL Old Games, something like that, and you will find a treasure trove of amazing
0: old games. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, what have you been watching other than hockey?
1: Mm. Well, as much as I'd love to survive on hockey alone, one cannot do that. I, I've i been watching some of the NLB broadcasts. They've been doing daily baseball broadcasts of some of the best games of Major League Baseball, like uh, Roy Halladay's no-no in the playoffs or Bautista's bat flip game or Oakland winning 20 in a row. There's been some really good games, and MLB streams them on their social media feeds every night. So if you're a baseball person, I recommend that as well. But in terms of non-sporting things, Mac finally got me into Ozark. He'd been convincing me for... Couple weeks, you got to watch Ozark. Ozark is one of the best shows on Netflix right now, and I gotta say, it is fabulous. I've been loving it. I just finished the first season, and I, I wish I'd watched it sooner because it's so good. And the other show I actually just got through and I recommended it to Mac, it's been all the rage on the internet right now. It's Tiger King, and I'm not gonna say a lot about Tiger King because it's one of those shows where it's best if you go in ab- pretty much absolutely blind because it's something. It's it's really, really something. Words cannot yeah. describe how weird Tiger King is.
0: I've heard I've heard about that one. It's it's one that I would like to watch. Right now I'm I did finish season three of Ozark and it was pretty crazy, but also probably the best season yet, I think. Um and I really enjoyed Ben's character, Wendy's brother, just fabulous acting um, there. But right now, I'm going through Homeland I'm on season seven, and I kind of took a break from Homeland for a while because you know it's a show where there's a lot of chaos, a lot going on, and it's it's kind of hard to watch consistently because there's just so much to indulge in, and it's kind of a dense show. So anyway, I'm on season seven, and I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, there's a lot of controversy and a lot of things I'm not a big politics guy but I really like the kind of political shows Matt it's funny how that works
1: Yeah it is uh, one of the other shows I've been watching is was a, actually I've been watching more movies because you know everyone says you got to watch this movie you got to watch that movie but I haven't been able to watch a lot of movies so what I've been uh, I was able to watch movies like 1917 and stuff and what a movie! It's absolutely fabulous. It, it, it's just as much a, a, a fantastic war movie as it is a, a fantastic piece of cinematography. I highly recommend it. And I've also been trying to watch some more Disney Plus because Disney Plus has got all thirty seasons of Simpsons episodes. And as longtime listeners of the show would know, Mac and I uh, absolutely love the Simpsons, particularly classic Simpsons. Mac and I send each other Simpsons clips all the time and and it's just so much fun going back and reliving classic Simpsons and if you've got Disney Plus and you're looking for a lot of time to kill, Simpsons is a great way to do it
0: Yeah, alright, so I think that just about does it Thank you once again for listening Center Ice is presented by the National Podcast Network where you can find us and many other great podcasts uh, just go to National Podnet on Twitter or look at their website. Remember, we're available on pretty much every platform. We'll be available on iHeartRadio soon. We really hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, we're not entirely sure when we'll be recording next, but we'd love to keep these going maybe in the next couple of weeks. So, Matt, I will talk to you then. Take care. Yeah, take care, Matt. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Center Ice, and have a great day. Stay safe, stay healthy, and be kind.